You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. Welcome to Naziland on Thursday, August 17th, the Fourth Reich. This is Daniel the Nazi, the Jewish Nazi. You're a Nazi for listening. We're all Nazis. And anyone who disagrees with me is a Nazi. You know, folks, I'm going to talk from the heart today and just kind of take this wherever it goes because there's so much to say. And I know I promised I wouldn't get sucked into this this Charlottesville business because it really shouldn't be a business. It shouldn't be about politics. Like many, many murders, mayhems, hate-motivated murders, non-hate-motivated murders, um, this should be dealt with, you know, with law and order and done. And we should be talking about the fact that North Korea, and this is what I thought we'd be talking about all week, given what happened last week, North Korea having the ability and bo- and threatening us with nuclear weapons. I was going to have on some, you know, experts on, nucle- on North Korean dissidents and what we can do and foster regime change. But, you know, evidently, it's not important. But unlike other issues that, you know, I've shied away from that I feel are distractions and I refuse to get involved and we, you know, just continue diving deeply into our policy issues, immigration, the courts, Obamacare, um, all sorts of issues going on. This actually is very telling and very important for many reasons. And I also want to get to something good, a light within the darkness of this false binary choice. Oh, you're a communist, you're a Nazi, Oh, you're bad because you agree you're saying the same th- outcome as what this guy is saying, so you must be a Nazi, or you're anti-him, so therefore I'm anti-anti. Of, of a light at the end of the tunnel, of a, you know what we're trying to do is actually understand what we affirmatively believe in. And, and this is what I warned about since the beginning of Trump's election, that everything that Everything bad that comes out of our political system now is a function of people that don't have their own affirmative principles, particularly on the right or so-called right. And therefore, they're just going to gravitate to whatever is around. So everything revolves around are you for Trump or are you against Trump? And are you for what he did or against what he did? Are you for what he said or against what he said? And consistently – We were saying that if you actually have a movement that stands on its own two feet with common sense, with consistency, with timeless principles, coupled with the acumen and knowledge of the actual current policy issues and what should be done about them, why they're a problem, who's the cause of them, and, you know, really achievable solutions, we're just going to fall victim of this binary nonsense. You know, we're told that, uh, oh, uh... Steve Bannon's a Nazi, and he, or at least he, you know, covers up for Nazis. So therefore, if you believe in certain things that he does, so you're a Nazi. Well, you know, two people could play this game. Um, these so-called whatever these groups, neo-Nazi groups, there a lot of them are big environmentalists. 
A lot of them hate Israel. They love Iran. Um, a lot of them are suddenly obsessed with single-payer health care. So, heck, you know, I guess that makes a lot of Democrats Nazis because, you know, the consummate issue of our time now are the comment section on neo-Nazi blogs that nobody ever heard of until the media promoted them and uh, gave them airtime. And that's what's determining the fate of our country. But th this is what happens when we get caught up in this binary nonsense. So there is a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And that is the election in Alabama that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about. Now, before I get to Alabama, why that's the antidote, not that Roy Moore is God. <laughs> you know, we don't worship men, we worship um, God and we we try to spawn movements that you know to the best of our ability walk in the ways of God, implement Micah six eight to to its um you know true meaning. We actually believe in what we say. We say what we believe. We're not binary, and this movement is something we really need to fight for. I think what's happening in Alabama, and it's very sad that so many conservatives are ignoring it and refuse to talk about it. Then we're also going to get to just broadly what's going on in the country this week and how this is not about Trump and how this is about a failed conservative movement on the right that has been fake for a long time and how it has given rise to this false dichotomy of, oh, are you John Kasich and Jeff Flake and Ben Sass or are you... Um, the alt-right. Again, most people, unfortunately, are not deep thinkers, are not very informed on the issues, don't follow it carefully, and you're going to have reasonable, otherwise common-sense people are just going to latch on to whatever choice is put out in front of them. And we're going to go through how the people that are most concerned about the so-called alt-right and just yelping about it, they are the cause of it. That's what's so frustrating for people like us that actually have principles that stand for themselves and don't want these clowns talking over us. Well, there's nothing I can do about it because you idiots were the ones who created them with your complete fecklessness in combating cultural Marxism. So unfortunately, there, there was always going to be a bubble one day that was going to pop and, you know, people that are going to address this issue, not from a proper vantage point, were going to seize upon it. So just because, you know, once in a while they'll overlap with a little bit of what I'm saying, at least in identifying the problem, you know, I'm not going to shy away from saying it. The same way the left is not going to shy away from being anti-Israel, pro-Iran, pro-global warming, and pro-single-payer healthcare because neo-Nazis support that as well. You know, I mean, it's just, that's just a really intellectually dishonest thing. Oh, you're this or you're anti-that or you're anti-this, anti-anti. And then finally, we're going to tie it together. Why judge more and the lack of conservative, you know, professional clickservative ink incorporated their lack of regard for what happened there and, and really deep down dislike judge more? How that represents the problems with the rise of the so called alt right and the lack of a true constitutional conservative movement in this country that actually addresses the issues in a truthful, common sense, non-politically correct, but intelligent manner. It, it, it ties together.
Because we don't take yes for an answer when we actually have a solution. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Getting ahead of myself. There's, there's a lot to say. I'm all over the place. Let's start with the fact that the least important ingredient in the so-called civil war that's taking place now is Donald Trump. You know, everyone else will tell you he's everything. The supporters will make him everything. The opponents will make him everything. He's the bogeyman. He's the savior. And ironically, ironically, Trump could pass away tomorrow. He could, you know, go off to some island, build a hotel and say he's had enough of this. And nothing will change. The fact that we have a disgusting, virulent alt-left is really what it is, but it's not alt because the entire left has become that way. And I'm going to link to in show notes what I mean by alt-left. What I mean is that, you know, I used to have a governor named William, William Donald Schaefer of Maryland. Not too long ago, he wasn't even a conservative Democrat. He was just a typical Democrat. I mean, he wasn't into sanctuary cities and transgenderism and cultural Marxism. You know, he was into a little bit too big government, and I didn't agree with him. But you didn't have this. Now, the reason why the alt-left isn't news is because everyone's alt-left. That is, And not just in America. Um, basically, every Western democracy has been taken over by this pagan religion of multiculturalism, this obsession because they don't believe in God, they don't have godly, balanced principles. This is a generation where the art of balance has been lost. There's really no balance. So everyone has to act out their thing in just the most crazy way, and there's no regard for what you truly believe in in a consistent manner that's applied equally. When you truly believe in God and godly principles, when you truly believe in the Constitution, the Declaration, appreciate our history and its evolution, a lot of this stuff is not very complicated. You could talk over with a false choice. The problem is we don't have that in Western democracies anymore. We've lost that. We What we do have is a very potent left wing, and therefore... Because there has been no counter to that, again, not just as a counter, but as an affirmative belief system, this is why you have this false dichotomy. Um, it all arises from that. So what you have in our country is Democrats that are promoting a decivilization agenda on immigration, on culture, on sexuality, on marriage, on morality, on history and traditions and just ripping up our country. And you have a fake conservative movement that is nothing about making money or sanctimoniously currying favor in the eyes of the swamp. No, I'm a good person. I'm not a racist. No. Right, that's what they're about. So people got ticked off, particularly on our side, but I think broadly throughout the country, because they're not speaking and confronting the challenges in, in, a, in a law and order, meaningful substantive, intelligent, consistent, principled way that's articulate and doesn't look, you know, foolish. So therefore, I mean, when you have people that are speaking to it, and unfortunately often in a stupid way, um, that's not helpful, and then it, you know, gives rise to what is still thankfully small, but unfortunately a little bit more growing movement of white supremacists, then we're left with this false choice. So this has nothing to do with Trump. You know, if Mike Pence becomes president tomorrow and continues, um, you know, continues as president, but 
just, oh, it goes out of his way to be politically correct and not address what the left is doing. Guess what? The bubble will pop. The balloon, the pressure is going to go somewhere else. You can't run away from the left. There's a point in time when you can no longer run and you have to have to stand and fight. And that's why people are happy because they want to fight. Now, sadly, a lot of people don't know what they're fighting about. And that's the irony about Trump. It's not about the issues. He's the least significant man around. Everything about him is personal. It's all if you attack him with something, he'll attack back. So he might sound like a right winger. He might sound like an alt writer. And then the next day, he'll sound like a big government leftist. It's all if you're a communist and you kiss up to him, he's for you. If you're a right winger and you kiss up to him, he's for you and, and vice versa. Nothing to do with anything. This is why Donald Trump endorsed Luther Strange, a a token incumbent, but yet he's evidently endorsing against Jeff Flake, a longstanding incumbent. What gives? Because with Jeff Flake, it was was personal. Now, in that case, we agree. We don't like Jeff Flake. He's a liberal. But in the case of Alabama, it was personal, not because of Judge Moore, but because he wasn't – it's a long story – I could give it over another time, but he wasn't told much about Moore, and he was told only about Mo Brooks and Jared Kushner. Basically, you know, McConnell went to Kushner and said, "Hey, Mo Brooks said this and this about you during the, the presidential primary," and it became personal. So he endorsed Luther Strange. I mean, th- this is why he'll endorse a right winger one day, and he'll endorse you know Renee Elmers. You remember last cycle, one of the most liberal House members, because she kissed up to him. I mean, that's what I have members of Congress tell me that if they want to run for higher office, you know, they're looking to run for different offices next next um, election cycle and they want Trump support. What they need to do is go up to him. Their wife has to be pretty. I'm not kidding. It's all about looks. And they have to say, look, you know, you, you remember seeing me on Fox and Friends as defending you with Comey in Russia. <laughs> I mean, that that's how the man works. It's not, you know, everyone puts in their their own. um they're just their their own thoughts and aspirations, and they project upon him ideological motivations. It's not like he's a movement. He's not a movement. A movement built up around him because they were looking for something and to just burst out. And again, I'm not defending. I, I wish we had a movement we could be proud of. This is not my movement. I'm just explaining how it came about, and I'm explaining why it came about. But but Trump, I mean, just today, Trump says he's, the White House announced they're going to agree to bail out the insurance companies again, despite his talk. His rhetoric is meaningless. It's a joke. So with the whole Charlottesville thing and Confederate this and that, it became personal. So now he's like beautiful Confederate, you know, and of course, he's always going to express a proper position in the worst way. The beautiful Confederate. Monuments. I mean, you know, whatever. But the irony is, you know, last Two years ago, during the South Carolina primary, when Nikki Haley did her thing, took down, took away the Confederate flag, um, he supported it. He said, no, there's no place there. Let's put it in a museum. Ironically, it was Ted Cruz that said, no, you know, let the people decide. You know, you know, um, so what what gives? By the way, a lot of people forget about that. There is no consistency. So I just want to get that out of the way. This is not about Trump. And I know, I sorry, I took 15 minutes to get this out of the way. But this is not about Oh, are you defending Trump's remarks and response or not? That's not what it is. It's about a vicious cultural Marxism in this country 
that eventually was always going to elicit some sort of rubber band effect. And it's the lack of a true conservative movement to harness these feelings in a proper way that could stand on its own two feet is what has led to this. Now, let me give you a perfect example of the utter insouciance, the utter disregard of the professional conservative movement to what we should be standing for, to what we claim to be right, that's not so-called alt-right, that is someone who really stands for godly values and is truly a kind man that stands above politics and has put principle above politics and really is so genuine. Everything we ever wanted in a politician who's not a politician. And they ignored him, and quietly I could tell you this crowd actually hates him. Judge Roy Moore. And that, folks, is why we have a bankrupt conservative movement. That is why we have a vacuum, and that's why it's filled by this Trump cult, which, again, Trump himself is not a movement, but the movement that has cropped up around him. So let's talk about what happened in Alabama. So in Alabama, we had a monumental victory Tuesday night. Um, the, the mo- easily, in my mind, the most important news of the week You all know that incumbents are rarely defeated in primaries, almost never. The last time an incumbent was successfully challenged from the right in a Republican primary and won and went on to win the general because some lost in the general because there's so much infighting in the party. They wind up losing like with Joe Miller and Richard Murdoch in 2010. The last time was 1996 when Sam Brownback knocked off another appointed token incumbent. A true non-appointed incumbent really wasn't since 1980 when Al D'Amato knocked off Jacob Javits running from the right. Now, one one person did knock off a sitting incumbent running from the left, Sununu against Bob Smith in New Hampshire in 2002. Um, but that's, you know, the establishment supported the challenger in that case. So, you know, they, they have all the money in organization. Uh, but, it, but it rarely happens. And, and Mike Lee was a convention, which is a whole other story. They got rid of conventions now, essentially, in Utah. And that's why we, there was another special election Tuesday night in Utah, and a Democrat in all but name only actually won a Republican district. Thank you very much, progressive Teddy Roosevelt-era primaries, um, which is why one of the reasons I believe we'll never win back the, the party is unless we have conventions you know, instead of primaries. But be it as it may— Judge Roy Moore, nobody paid attention to him. 91% of his dollars came from checks less than $100, not a single check written from a special interest. He won almost 40% of the vote. 60 of 67 counties. Very impressive win. Now, obviously, it's not an outright win because it goes to a runoff, but he came in first place. Um, where is everyone? Where is this? I haven't seen a single conservative publication that's crying about Confederate monuments and sanctimoniously saying, oh, we we have to be so careful on the right and we got to huh, – I'm not a racist. I'm a good person. Where, where are they saying, well, this is what I am. This is what I affirmatively stand for, that we said we don't like Mitch McConnell. We said we're upset with Trump. We're upset with everyone. Well, here Trump endorsed the establishment. Trump and McConnell are on the same side. This is like the perfect good versus evil match. These, we say we're for marriage. We say we're for religious liberty. We say we're for 
um, reforming the judiciary. We're against judicial supremacy. Judge Moore's your man. And yet, his win is nothing. The minute Mo Brooks um, came up in third, and so some of these you know people are supporting him, radio silence. I mean, th- there's no... They're, they're not even happy this happened. Let me let you in on a secret. A lot of these people despise Roy Moore. Because at the end of the day, you have to obey the federal court, even when they clearly don't have jurisdiction. Because our movement is a fraud. This so-called established conservative movement, particularly inside of Washington, is a complete fraud. They only believe in what they're saying in word, not in practice. That's the sad reality. It's one big Ben Carson scam pack. That's what this movement has become. Because they won't take yes for an answer. Here, you know, Providence... The providential stars are aligning here. It's a special election. It's just a few weeks. You don't have to run for that long. It's low turnout. Um, The establishment candidate is mortally wounded. This is a perfect opportunity, and and it's the state of Alabama. It's not a you know, it's it's not a tough state to win in. Take yes for an answer. But no, the silence you're hearing. The reason why I'm one of the only people covering this and trying to support. The judge is because the others don't support him. You know, if this was a respectable conservative from the clique, they would have been, oh my gosh, we defeated the establishment. We defeated Mitch McConnell despite Trump's endorsement. I mean, and they'd be all over this. I mean, and also, we don't have this in the bag. I mean, he should win, but, you know, they're going to throw $10 million at him and everything. And I mean, this should be all hands on deck. Meaning, if you're truly these people at National Review, Weekly Standard, um, Washington Examiner, all these public, and, and again, I'm just naming a few that I just happened to see this morning, but you know, that there are so, oh my, it's terrible. Oh, Trump's embarrassing us. And then, well, okay, that, 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 that's fine, but what do you stand for? Judge Moore is not the alt right because he believes we're all equal in the image of God. It, it, it's just so sad, but, but the reality is, Judge Moore, in many ways, speaks to what is going on this week. Because what is he notorious for? Well, the federal courts wanted to rip down the Ten Commandments, a monument. Now, look, I'm not comparing Robert E. Lee or Stonewall Jackson and certainly Nathan Bedford Forrest to the Ten Commandments. That's not the point. What the left is doing in this country, where it's coming from and where it's headed to, towards, is the same direction. It's coming from a very bad place. It's headed to a very bad place. And the established right in this country has done nothing. Here came a man that was like, no, you got to draw a line sometimes because if a federal district court, you're going to tell me has jurisdiction to, to just flip our heritage, tradition, history, constitution, declaration, states, state powers – um, and 200 years of settled case law on its head, and that's the law of the land, well, where does it end? And indeed, it doesn't. That's what we're seeing now. The courts are are now, literally, as we're speaking, they're seeking an injunction in court um, for tra- to push transgenderism in the military, obviously all the immigration stuff, 
codifying every Democrat racial gerrymander into law, but then striking down the Republican gerrymanders um, because the courts have taken over that issue, but in one direction, um, striking down every uh, voter integrity law, you name it. Nothing. Silence. Daniel, I don't want to talk about race. I'm a little bit scared. I'm so scared. I, I, I'm a good person. Our people are sick of this. And, you know, as I'm talking to you now today, it's coming out online. Um, everyone's talking about this. The Marist poll where they directly asked, you know, just a simple question. Should we keep the Confederate monuments or should we take them down? Wasn't loaded. Nothing. By a 34 point margin. The answer was we should keep them. And yet, if you look on political Twitter, which is what these people live in, and they think it's a hundred to zero in the political class, all the conservative publications, and, and, and the funny thing is, all the even all the conservatives like Hugh Hugh Hewitt that spent six months kissing up to Trump, defending every liberal thing he did because he's a party man above else. But here he'll put the the one thing he'll put above party or the party leadership or the party president Trump is race pandering. That 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 is the that is a religion and that is exactly why some of these so-called alt-right voices are gaining prominence. Much to my chagrin because you know again a, a lot of the so-called alt-right has like any demagogue movement has properly identified the problem, the symptom, but you know kind of like a French revolution could identify the right problem too, but you know their solution will land you in the same place. So you know, as opposed to American Revolution, this is the same thing. They're, you know, they talk about this nonsense of, you know, the coming of white racial awareness. Like, shut up with that. You know, we, we believe in true equality. But that that's the problem here. The left doesn't. And we have discrimination written into our jurisprudence. The disparate impact. I mean, this is a very big problem, and you have to confront that. But they don't want to confront it. The same way they don't want to confront the war on religious liberty, the war on tradition, the war on marriage, the war on sexuality, the war on lineage, the war on civilization. Nothing. They, they want to be honorable fighters. So, look, people got sick of that. This is not, again, this is not a defense of Trump because there's nothing to defend. Because, like I said, Trump doesn't believe in anything. He'll say one thing one day, the next day, it's all personal. So it's not a matter of, oh, do you agree with Trump or not? I'm saying what I believe in here. And what the Judge Moore thing tells you is that our people don't care. Even when we have a godly, honorable person who's not a racist, who's not an alt-writer, he's not a this. Um, no, they think he's a dirtbag too. And therein lies the problem. So that's why we have this rubber band effect in America. This is why... We have the false dichotomy we're in today. But there's a certain truth that I think all of us need to confront here about the failure of not just the Republican Party, but the phony conservative movement in Washington that has propped it up for years. See, this movement always said, uh, you know, oh, we don't want to touch these cultural issues. Ooh, we're going to be fiscal conservatives. And then, of course, as you see, I'm pretty much the only one giving a vision on fiscal conservatism, on free market health care, which is the linchpin to all fiscal economic issues. They, they really don't stand for anything. But when it comes to, to race, they're just, they just lose their minds. They're, they're, they're so, so out of touch. 
And, you know, the bottom line is the war on monuments is the last refuge of those who fail to confront the important issues of our time. So it's an easy bogeyman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's just get get, get rid of it. Get rid of it. We'll solve all our problems then, then. As conservatives, as constitutionalists, as very strong believers in the Declaration of Independence, I spend a lot of time in my book discussing the seven or so principles that are derived just from the 200 or so words in the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. To us, race should never come up. We, we fundamentally don't like to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. <clears throat> and... um. You know, if liberals didn't exist, we wouldn't we would never need to talk about it <laughs> because we believe everyone is created equally in the eyes of God. Everyone has equal unalienable rights and done. It ends from there. We're about law and order. If you do the crime, you do the time. If you do the murder, whatever your motivation was, if it was premeditated, but, you know, if it was out of hate, not hate, out of white hate, black hate, this hate, that hate, we'd put you in the wood chipper within a year. Okay, so we'd have, you know, that's the big irony here. The the left opposed the death penalty and Terry McAuliffe has slowed it down. Virginia was one of the few states that kind of administered it at least somewhat regularly. Um, yeah, I mean, we that, that that's how we are. The problem is the left, to, they use as a hook, because how do you get people to buy into horrendous ideas, cultural Marxism, political Marxism, you make people feel bad. And they fostered a culture in Western civilization over the last few decades and just really culminating in a feverish pitch over the last decade. This religion of I'm a good person, I'm tolerant, I love people. That that racism, the perception of it and their version of it is the worst thing imaginable. It's worse than killing someone. It's worse than murder. It's worse than terrorism. Um. So they've, you know, everyone wants to make sure that they're not a racist. So what they start doing is saying, well, they don't look at equality. They look at equal outcomes. They say, well, there's too many blacks in jail. There's too many this. There's too few mortgages given. And they start ripping up your society. And that's very problematic. Because that you have to confront disparate impact in all its forms, is a very big problem. It's a very big problem when you start saying that blacks have a, have a super right to create not just you know black districts, but districts in a way that will create maximize the Democrat potential, but a racial gerrymander that will minimize the Democrat potential is unconstitutional if it maximizes the potential it's guaranteed by the Constitution. To say that you know, all blacks had that, you know, there should be equal number of people in jail, equal number of people. That is very disruptive. I mean, one could argue the reason we've had the Great Recession was because of the housing crisis. And that in a large part was because of the disparate impact stuff applied to the redlining and, 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 and banking. We don't have white supremacism codified into our laws, jurisprudence and, and body politic. But I can name you a dozen places where we have it codified the other way and you know all things equal if it's not so consequential people want to let it go they remember our history um no one wants to talk about race it's you know 
we don't we don't want to start talking about statistics and more crimes committed by blacks or this and that because again why talk about it why should we need to apply the law equally and the chips fall where they may but the problem is you have to start talking about it then because then you have to start defending and saying like well no i mean like you know here's here's the story and that's where the breakdown comes into play where the right doesn't want to confront it, so they run away from it. And I, I warn people for years, if you don't have a movement that addresses these issues, then it's going to come, you know, a rubber band effect where you have a, a white racialist movement, which is just as repugnant. This is the sad reality of what we're confronted with today. This false dichotomy, but it's all created from this vacuum of cowards who don't want to confront it. And they're so scared and they don't even realize public opinions with them. You can only beat down people for so long. You know, everything is a war on whites. It is. Whether it's through, Mark Levin was, was very articulate when he spoke about immigration on this a couple of weeks ago. Was it's affirmative action. Just stop it. Stop it. Let, let us treat everyone equally. But no. You know, I was one of the few people to talk about crime last year, the whole criminal justice thing. Every pseudo-conservative libertarian think tank in Washington is on board this criminal justice divorce. Too many black people in jail. So, well, then I have to start saying, well, dude, I mean, that, that, what do you want from me? I mean, that's where the crime is. And this is what is so disturbing. You have – if you came from Mars and you parachuted into this country this week, you would think – that the consummate issue of our time is white supremacism. And again, I'm not downplaying when you have one white person killing a black in the name of racism, the motivation is just as evil and the result is just as devastating as when anyone else kills anyone else in any, you know, whether it's Islamic supremacism, black supremacism, whatever it is. But from a public policy standpoint, if you're going to sit and politicize it and make it more than a tragedy to grieve over unite in a united way and, and just start running, therefore, the monuments are the problem. Well, then you have to start asking, really? I mean, our, our cities are being ripped up. The violence, you know, after two decades long of decrease in, in violent crime, it's now going up. And F, FBI statistics show this. Major metropolitan areas. Baltimore is a cesspool. And yet, in the middle of the night, real brave Catherine Pugh, the mayor, rips down the Confederate monuments. Okay, um, how many less murderers are going to take place? White supremacists are repugnant, and we need to, again, hang them when they commit a crime. Try to, you know, if there are any signs of violence, use intel from the DOJ to break it up, like any other group. But the reality is for every one white that kills a black, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but you don't need them per capita, you know, because there's a lot more whites in the population. But if you adjust it as a share of the population, it's devastating. The black on white crime versus white on black. And then most importantly, the black on black crime. That is the epidemic. That's the hatred. That's what should have no place in America. That's the crime. You know, there's that angle that no one wants to talk about. Because again, 
getting blaming it on Robert E. Lee and dead Confederate generals and Robert E. Lee was an honorable man. Blaming him for those problems is such a beautiful refuge to a coward that doesn't want to confront the black on black violence doesn't want to confront the general violence, the breakdown in law and order, and in fact wants to implement policies that foster that. They don't want to confront the socioeconomic problems. They don't want to confront the 50-year the breakdown of socialism where the black family used to be more intact, used to be religious, used to be, you know, I, blacks in the 1930s had a lower incarceration rate. That's what they don't want to confront. That's the cowardice. They don't want to confront the knockouts, and, and the incessant racially motivated black-on-white crime. I hear it here in the Baltimore area all the time. I rarely, rarely, rarely in my entire life have seen white-on-black crime. It exists, and we saw it in, in um, Charlottesville. But again, it's, it's, it, it's all over. And, and you know, the alt-left, I mean, you know, for every one of these you know, neo-Nazis that hasn't taken a shower in three weeks and has the you know, MS-13-style tattoos on their body— there are 10 times more of these alt-lefters. I mean, this was like a national gathering. They're national, all them. In one place, you know, there, 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 there are more of these violent left-wing protesters in one location than these guys in the entire country. That is not the problem here. No one condones them. They get hung every time. No one's going to defend them. The problem is the other stuff gets defended. That's more of a serious problem, and it's more ubiquitous. And it's more – and there's something you could do about it because that – see, the Confederate monuments don't solve this problem. If anything, it just reignites and it just elevates this. That's, that's the true tragedy of it. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to tick so many people off and you know, it's going to tick off good people and then it's going to take bad people and just activate them. Where is the socialism, the breakdown of law and order in the communities, that is something you can do about it. That is avoidable. What about the 10,000 – you know, the ICE director just came out with a statement and said 10,000 criminal aliens committed crimes after they were released by sanctuary cities, including murders and rapes. 10,000 avoidable crimes. And my point is, of course the murder committed by an illegal alien, by an immigrant we shouldn't have let in. Versus a murder committed by um, a citizen is just as heinous, just as devastating, just as much of a disgrace to, to God's image as, as anything else. They're equal. But where they're not equal, again, is from a public policy standpoint because sadly in an open and free country of 325 million and the, especially with the breakdown of the civil society, we got, we got a lot of problems here. There's a limit to what you could preempt other than have very strong and equally applied – rule of law and justice and hopefully deter a lot of it. And I think if we actually did and had a real death penalty that was implemented, you know, ubiquitously and in short fashion, I think it would deter a lot of it. But, you know, there's a limit to what you could prevent. But but with criminal aliens, that's all preventable because they don't belong here. It's sanctuary cities. Why why are none of these mayors and by the way, they're the same mayors pretty much overlapping that, that are going after the Confederate monuments. They're the sanctuary city dudes. Where are they going to apologize for, you know, thankfully they haven't released her name because she's a victim, 19-year-old American in Seattle area who was raped and, and just almost dismembered. Her face was dismembered by, uh, by an illegal alien who was given DACA 
and renewed by Trump, by the way, by Trump's DHS. Where's the apology, the condemnation for that? That's what I'm saying. If your heart is so sensitive that you really see a lot of pain in these Confederate monuments and you genuinely have seen that all along and it's not contrived politically by what's going on now, God bless you. But somehow I suspect 99% of them are not coming from that. And the proof is in the pudding because they're not pained by 99% of, of black murders and black on white crime, which is more ubiquitous than white on black crime. Again, I don't, I don't want to talk about this because to us in our system, it's all equal. We don't need to look at it. But if you're going to sit and tell me that white on black is the biggest problem in America and the white supremacism, I mean, really? And then I don't even have enough time because I'm going to link to this in show notes, my piece about Islamic supremacism. That's almost exclusively self-immolating, preventable. It's all we let in through our immigration system. Really, now we have people that hate Jews. You know, it's funny, everyone's saying, Hatred, bigotry, and anti-Semitism have no place in our country. Really? Check out the polling data on the countries of origin that from which we let in these people, what their sentiment is about Jews. I have the Pew polling in this post. And um, most of these countries, 90% have the type of conspiratorial views that you'll see on these much-vaunted neo-Nazi comment section websites that, that the media is now elevating that no one heard of until they elevated them. Guess what? These people that we let in the country electively share those views. Now, synagogues over the last 10 years or so have to really be, a lot of Jewish institutions have to beef, beef up security. Now, some of it is all sorts of violence, including you know the neo-Nazi groups. But most prominently, it's been beefed up because of Islamic supremacism. Now, why? Is it because we're scared that... Um, the Syrian Air Force will come here and bomb a synagogue? No. It's through the immigration system that we've let in people that we shouldn't let in. Why is there no outrage over that? Why is it that when there's so much mayhem, there's so much Islamic supremacism? I mean, just, just a couple of weeks ago, you had a policeman almost killed in a Flint, Michigan airport by, by an Islamist we let in. Um, he, we let him in from Canada, but he was an Islamist from a North African country, I believe, uh, who shouted Allah Akbar. Rooted in Islamic supremacist theology, somehow that doesn't send shivers down their spine. Even Walmart, that, that stays out of this stuff, said, oh my gosh, we condemn all, yeah, yeah, we condemn all this, but like, what's your, what's your agenda here? The, that's the problem. We, we don't get a vote. The left has voted for us. They have made everything racial. They have made everything one-sided. They are supremacist. Not, not because there's so much black supremacist. It's just more because it helps their political agenda. It's very insidious. So you got to confront that. Not from a vantage point of promoting white superiority, promoting true equality. But that means actually fighting for it in our laws and, and jurisprudence and body politic. And if they call you a racist, they call you a racist. But this is where we have the breakdown of the so-called right in America, the right political leadership. People are starving for it. Sadly, they're going to latch themselves on to the most potent forces around. You could speak to the better instincts of people. You could speak to the worse instincts of people. I'd rather speak to the better instincts. But you know there aren't too many people doing what we're doing. We're caught in between the so-called alt-right and, and these just stupid 
losers um, in the D.C. conservative cocktail circuit. I'm just sick of them. It is their fault. People don't want to hear that whites are the problem. That's just not the case. Most people are not racist. Just the opposite. They, they, they want nothing more than to see black Americans succeed and have upward mobility. And it's precisely because of these disgusting socialist policies that have kept them down. It's because of the black-on-black crime that we tolerate. It's because of the soft bigotry of low expectations where we treat blacks like a two-year-old, where everything's kind of, you know, you know, a two-year-old, you always let him... You, know, you don't treat him equally. You let him misbehave a little bit more than, you, you know, you accept behavior you wouldn't accept from an adult. And you clap, you know, little baby steps that he takes that you wouldn't clap for. An, I want to treat them equally. I want to treat them like, like our brothers that they are. I dream of a time that when a black man acts like an a-hole, like a white man would, that we'd criticize him the same way we would a white person and wouldn't say quietly, oh my gosh, I can't say anything because he's black. And vice versa. That's a time that I pine for, where everyone is truly equal. But when you magnify it and you exaggerate and you make it seem like what really isn't a problem is the fundamental problem, and what is a fundamental problem is not, and you ignore it, that's going to seed a lot of, uh, um, that's going to elicit a lot of resentment. You know, I remember, um, what was this, 23 years ago in Israel, um, I remember as a kid, Watching the news, you know, back then you only had at home, you had Dan Rather, Peter Jennings, and Tom Brokaw, you know, pretty much had a monopoly on the news. And that's all there was, the 6.30 nightly news here. Um, And I remember when this Jewish doctor in Hebron just snapped and shot up a mosque. And let me tell you, this was like gay porn to the media. I mean, this was for two weeks. A Jew killed. I mean, they were like, I mean, they were in seventh heaven. They, they were, I mean, this was like, you would, if you were, again, kind of like what you're seeing now, if you would come down from Mars, you would think the consummate problem in the world is violent Jews going around killing people. And they'll take one anecdote and they'll craft a public policy built upon that. And again, let's plug in our equation here. There are morally clear, conservative conscience, common sense, non-politically correct, but honest assessment. What this guy did, the motivation behind it, and the outcome of it is just as evil and devastating as when an Arab kills a Jew. But from a public policy standpoint, it's not an equal pervasiveness problem in terms of pervasiveness because – you know, for every one of these, there's 5,000 of those. Um, you know, so let's not lose sight of what the true problem is. You're not going to solve the problem by, you know, saying, oh, we're going to take down monuments or whatever, you know, take down Zionist monuments because that's the cause of this. No. You're going to have hateful people in all persuasions and do things. But the problem is when one is condoned and one is not. That's the problem. You could debate over how much reaction and what you want to say, but Trump didn't cause this. You know, you know me, I've opposed this whataboutism that Steve Dace calls. You know, um, Republicans and Trump do stupid things and we defend it and say, well, the Democrats and the media did worse. But in this case, they didn't do anything. This was a group of neo Nazis. This is not, no one did it. Okay. This is not connected to anyone. 
No one's condoning that. But this other stuff is totally condoned on the left. They have no problem with it. No problem whatsoever, and it's more pervasive. Until we have a movement that's willing to speak truth to power from an educated way, from a moral standpoint, from a common sense perspective, we're going to be caught with this false dichotomy of the status quo swamp conservatives, the alt-right, so to speak, and then just Trump's just personal vendettas, which have nothing to do with ideology and his dumpster fire. Which, getting back to what I want to close with, is why Judge Moore is so important. You know, Judge Moore said at his uh, victory speech, we must be good again before we, we can be great, and we will never be good again without God. Kind of a little subtle tweak of, you know, Trump's Make America Great Again slogan. You know, it's not about a policy or, um, you know, a movement, and certainly not about a man in a cult. We need to return to God, and that, that's really where this is comes out of once you understand when when you have those proper principles you don't need to latch on to these false dichotomies and false paganism of you know secular nationalism versus the multiculturalism it's very simple you could look at everything with a morally clear level head and common sense and that's why we have the conservative conscience that's what i hope to continue doing god bless you all thanks for listening remember crtv subscribe you must hear Mark Levin's latest rants. Steve Dace, my buddy, that's the only way you're going to actually see me in person if you care to do so on Steve Dace's show. Promo code Horowitz. Sign up for CRTV. Full year subscription. Till then, this has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.